Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. Sanctum for another week. We are thrilled to be here as we put our foot to the floor and accelerate our way right into the final round of AFLW. There were some significant detours to the tribunal in recent days, which we will discuss. We will also catch up with the tackling machine from Adelaide. Ebony Marinoff will be here. And the Queen of Supporters, the Unfurler of Flags, plural. Cheryl Critchley is going to join us on the show today. We also have a little Western delight in thank you for being a friend. Filling my thermos this week, as always, are my sanctum. Sisters of the football denomination. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Rana Hussain. Hi, I'm Julia Kiera. And it's Lucy Race. I'm pretty sure I forgot to say who I was. I'm Emma Race for any uh, new players, anyone playing along nice at home. It's really nice to meet you too. Rana, was it? <laughs> yes, Rana. <laughs> uh, that l- it was a joke of a weekend. I mean, mm. I sat back. It's very rare that both of your favourite teams win, but I got that. I got that happy little duo. It was pretty nice. Lucy Race is grinning wildly as well. Um, and Rana, you had some success as well, being a double Richmond. We saw the first time Richmond won in the women's and the men's on the same weekend. That's pretty exciting. It was very exciting. And I got a double Melbourne too, so I'm on top of the world at the moment <laughs> as far as footy goes. Uh, yeah, I got to go and watch uh, Richmond play at Punt Road Oval. Um, I was ground announcing. That will be the last thing I ever do for the Richmond Football Club, at least for the foreseeable future, because I've moved on now. Um, but it was it was a really, really good day. It was wet and slippery. Uh, it was quite wild weather in the end. Um, but it was fun to watch. I was really proud of how Richmond adapted to that weather. Um, they sort of let it go in the second half, which was a bit scary. Uh, I saw Casey Simons there too, who was very happy in the second half as a West Coast <laughs> Eagles fan. Um, but it was just a lovely vibe. And to see Peggy there, to be honest, I know she's there every time she comes to everything that Richmond does, but the look on her face, because in round one or the first time we played on Punt Road Oval, she said, I can't wait for a team to win on this ground for four points. It hasn't been done since 1964. So to see the women do that was incredible. Rana, it's huge that you've moved on from Richmond. You've made such an, an enormous contribution to that club. And I think people especially people in the outer, will be really sad to know that you're not um, going to be representing them as a Tiger anymore, but you are moving on to do some excellent work at another footy club, which is um, also fantastic. And I know that you'll keep working in the industry, but I just wanted to say you've been a real groundbreaker 
um, not just for Richmond, but for the whole industry. And I just wouldn't want this moment to pass without recognising that. It's incredibly important and valuable, the work that you've done there. Now let's stop talking about you. (laughs) Um, Julia, what was your highlight? Look, my highlight was uh, the game between the D's, Lucy races D's and Fremantle. Uh, it was great to see the senior assistant coach, Jane Lange, take the reins for that game. Mick Stenier, uh remained in Melbourne as his wife was um, expecting a baby. Um, Jane, look, is an old friend of mine, uh, but she's a very experienced coach and it was, it was great to see her get the win for her team. Um, I'm sure her heart rate would have been... Uh, Maybe her heart had stopped in that last quarter. (laughs) But as I spoke about last week in the spirit of go footy, uh, it's great to see games where the the lead shifts in the last quarter. I think it just adds such an incredible um, element of drama. But good to see the Ds uh, get over the line, just for Lucy's sake, I'd say. Julia, I am asking people today if they've got a highlight from either the AFLW or the AFLM. Did you have anything you wanted to contribute for the AFLM competition? No. You played in the fifth? (laughs) I don't know what you're referring to. Conscientiously <laughs> objecting over there. Lucy Race, what was your highlight? I had so many. It was such a great round of football. But if I think about Brisbane, the word that just comes to mind is excitement. And I just think they're so exciting to watch. And whether that's the old guard of the Lauren Arnells or the Emma Zilkies or the Kate Lutkins or the newer players like Dakota Davidson and this week's rising star, Courtney Hodder. <laughs> Her goal in the fourth quarter gave Brisbane a 16-point lead. So it was, a, it was a really hotly contested game. But that goal, she worked so hard to contest, bring it to ground and then kick that goal and hook it up to my veins. It was so exciting. I do have a highlight in the men's. Again, I'm going north. I'm going north to Sydney and to the debutantes of Errol Goulden and Logan McDonald, who kicked three goals each on debut. And a special mention to Tom Papley, whose acrobatics into the second <laughs> row was really something to behold. Almost as good as Charlie Dixon's. Yes, um, yes. I think he got further year. into the crowd though so I think it's the winner. It's I'm not, not sure about the density jump. on that though. <laughs> Is it COVID like safe? <laughs> well no not but sure. it's players in the outer and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, goals were uh, spectacular in the AFLW competition last round. There was some significant ones. Courtney Hodder's I've watched about a hundred times, but there was a run by Lucy Single who plays for um, Gold Coast and she did it all. It was I mean it was a goal with a 250 metre run. <laughs> she just kept, um, she was the best option in like three different times. And then to actually execute that goal was just so spectacular. And she really celebrated and I loved it. She was, of course, playing against my blues. And my highlight has to be Darcy Vessio, not just because she kicked five, but because when Darcy Vessio is on and when she's getting the rewards for all of her hard work on the field, it actually warms the cockles of my heart because this competition relies so hard and leans on people like Darcy Vessio and she pushes and she puts in and she's hilarious and she demonstrates how women can be so many different things. She's never just one thing. And I just 
want to implore people to really respect that what she does is hard. What she does all the time is hard, whether it's kicking goals, speaking out, being a leader on and off the field. It's really hard. And we are better for having her in the competition. And when she's reaping rewards on the field, I just, my heart soars and I feel like it's the gift from the footy gods, but she's earned every single moment of it. So salute Darcy Vessio. We couldn't do what we do without you. She's amazing. Are you crying, Julia? No, I was just going to say I I disagree because <laughs> I think as someone who's watched Darcy pretty much her whole career, that's Darcy in third gear. Oh, oh. Stop it. That's, that's all. <laughs> we just all went silent. Old third gear Vessio. <laughs> well, I can't wait. May it be mathematically possible for them to make the final <laughs> so we can see her take it up a notch. For me in the men's, I have to, you probably heard it. If you were watching this game, you probably heard it. Essendon and Hawthorne had an absolute clangout. You didn't see it, Julia, no doubt. But Ben McAvoy, <laughs> who is our new captain, who is salt of the earth, farmer, Tape your head together, McAvoy. We love him. He's so honest and so hardworking. And that was never more on show than during the weekend's game when he tapped the ball out from under a pack, which is pretty impressive when you're his size. And he got pinged because the umpire thought he threw it. And he stood up and he said to the umpire, Mate, I tapped it out. I tap it for a living. <laughs> And I went, and right there is why he is going to be a captain of of an ilk that we haven't seen, at least at Hawthorne for a while. He is so awesome. And then he went on to have one of the greatest games and he was in the best in the best players of that game. So I was so thrilled to see that was massive. But we're burying the lead. There is one very exciting thing that we need to also recognise that happened this round, and that is that we have a new listener. A little tiny baby called Patrick, born unto Tess Armstrong. And that's been the highlight of the round for all of us and for all the listeners. And we are so thrilled and so excited for Tess and Sam and for baby Patrick. So welcome to the crew. Adelaide Crows don't give up. They are a team that you cannot, they're like the ocean, don't turn your back on them. Every single finals <laughs> campaign that we've had for the AFLW has had the um, Adelaide Crows names up in lights mm. and there's one player who just doesn't quit. Her name's Ebony Marinoff and she joins us now. How are you, Eb? I'm good. It's long time no speak. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I saw you, do you remember you tackled Sam Lane and almost I was killed say, I her? Think I deck, yeah, I decked Sammy Lane in the in the crown in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real moment. Do you go up and deck, like in the supermarket, if you were, for example, to see a teammate, would you go up and take a Zbecky on their back? Maybe not a teammate. If it was someone I hadn't seen for a while, potentially. <laughs> I feel like that's classic Noffy. Hey, you guys are always the team in the conversation when it gets to finals. How do you keep it fresh for each campaign? Well, we missed last year, which was we we were kind of happy about that. Like in terms of when COVID hit, we were like, oh, well, it wasn't our year, but obviously did feel for other teams. But I think we've been able to do, um, yeah, quite well. And maybe it's the experience, um, given the fact that we were a part of the first ever final series and were, you know, obviously won the, the first flag. So, I mean, to be able to draw on a couple of premierships amongst our, you know, senior players is is definitely a positive thing. And then if you have the young ones kind of, you know, coming along with you, it always helps as well. Hey, Ebony, it's Lucy here. You guys bounced back from the loss to Melbourne emphatically on the weekend. What was the difference? 
Oh, well, didn't you have to bounce back after that loss against <laughs> Melbourne? Um, yeah, we were really, really, really disappointed. Yeah, probably the worst game I've seen, like, the footy club play in, in four or five years. And, you know, Mick Stinia said it was the best game he'd seen um, Melbourne play in five years. So it was it was kind of an accurate representation of those comments. But, um, yeah, obviously really disappointing. And, yeah, our contest work wasn't up to the level. Went away from our structures a whole range of things, but obviously it's really disappointing to get a loss like that. So to be able to bounce back is pleasing, but we don't want to have to bounce back from disappointing losses, to be honest with you. Hey, Ebony, it's Rana. Um, I'm interested in rivalries. Footy's full of them. Do you and your team feel like you have a rival that you just keep your eye on? Um, I don't know if it's a rival, but we always seem to have cracking games against Brisbane Lions and Mm. have um, since we played them in the minor rounds in year one, then obviously um, in the premiership in year one. But, yeah, each year we just always seem to have, yeah, really hot contests. So we always look forward to playing the Lions and probably Collingwood as well, um, which is interesting coming up against them this week, we actually, probably not a rival, but we lost to them in 2018 to miss out on making the finals. So interesting. Uh, hi, Ebony. It's Julia here. We talk a lot about omens and superstitions on the pod and Adelaide have a habit of winning every second grand final. <laughs> so you're due. Now, do yes, the, do the well. team uh, talk a bit about that or do they have that sense of history? Oh, look, to be honest with you, definitely not. Um, And especially, like, I know it's really cliche, but this comp this year is so, so close. I think anyone would say that anyone in that top six can win the the grand final, can, you know, can win on any given day. Um, But yeah, the the history says we're due for a flag every couple of years. Um, We'll take that. But yeah, I'm just really looking forward to, I guess, being a part of a really, it'll be a really tight final series, but also us girls are really, we've still got one game to go. We, we know we've locked in that final spot, but that's in a couple of weeks. Like we really want to be able to get the job done against Collingwood. We lost against Freo and Melbourne, who are two, you know, strong teams. Um, so we really need to show that we're capable of, um, be, you know, beating one of the top, top three, four sides. Obviously we beat Lions, but yeah, really want to make sure we get the job done on Sunday. Hey, at the start of the year, Eb, you had an incident with Bridstack, which was not great for either of you. Has it changed you or has it changed your game at all? No, no, it hasn't. Yeah, obviously I look back and I was like, wow, that's two months ago now. Um, but, yeah, no, nah, um, just go about my business and obviously like really unfortunate event. But, yeah, it was, I guess, very relieved to have got off given the fact that I potentially was going to be missing a third of my, my season, which – you know, um, us girls worked so hard for, um, you know, for a two-month season. So the point of time where I where I knew I was going to potentially be out for a bit um, was disappointing. But, yeah, really relieved um, that we got the result that we were after. Hey, Ebony, you've mentioned this week's round, this matchup against Collingwood where we all cannot wait to watch it. Will you match up on Britt Benici and what's your plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Um, we, I think I didn't even re- like why we play Western Bulldogs on the weekend, and um, we did 
like match review and I didn't realise how much I was on like Ellie Blackburn, but that was just, you know, how you end up on someone on a stoppage. Um, at the club, we don't really, like we don't man up on one individual from the oppo. We kind of just get it done and if you, because you might be running from one end to the other and, and be at a different, I guess, stoppage area. So we haven't traditionally been known to, um, tag or or take on a player. So I feel like I'll be on Bree Davy, who's a gun, Britt Benicia, who's a gun, and Jamie Lambert, who's a gun. So I'll have to be at my best, um, as will our other midfielders as well. But, yeah, looking forward to the challenge, given the fact we got absolutely smashed by Melbourne <laughs> midfield. <laughs> uh, it's Rana again. Speaking of your best, you've had some cracking wins at Norwood Oval, and I'm just wondering what the effect of playing there is. It feels like there's some kind of cauldron vibe there for you guys. Yeah, well, previously we've kicked a few points there um, in the past. I reckon we kicked 21 points in our practice match um, a couple of years back. We kicked one goal 11 against Doggies and lost that game. So we found our mojo a bit um, at Nord with the crowd as well, maybe not travelling, even though we usually travel well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what it, is, put it, what it puts down to. Did Chelsea Randall hit straps as soon as she came back? It must have been so nice to have her back in the team, Eb. Yeah, it was amazing. It was it was mind blowing the fact that um how like oh we've had a couple of girls to ACLs, but Randall's aerial and her jumping and landing when she come back, she came back um straight away preseason because she'd done it the first night of preseason the year before, and that was her goal. But yeah, unbelievable just to be able to um you know not be still ticking any boxes twelve months on, and you know you've girls have been watching her play. It has not affected her one bit, one bit, <laughs> and she did that on the back of being, you know, in the amazing race and a bit of preseason <laughs> and previously so. Did Unbelievable, they, really. Did they have the GPS on her for the Amazing Race? Because she had to run a lot in that too. Maybe that's part of a pre-season um, uh, ritual that one of you can be involved in. We'd love to see you on a reality show, Eb. Would you ever do it? I know. That's what keep, everyone keeps saying at the club. We've had Abby, you know, who's obviously a past mm. player, survivor. Um, then we've got Hatching Ultimate Tag. Like, Nuffy, when are you going on? So, yeah, it's pretty funny. They go, um, go on Farmer wants a wife. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, going to say Noffy for Dancing with the Stars. Yes. We'd love to Dancing see it. Dancing with the Stars. I like <laughs> it. Like it. Um, we wish you all the very best of luck when you take on Collingwood. They are travelling for the first time this season. It's going to be a spectator's delight, but you have your work cut out for you and so do your opponents. Thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum today, Ebony Marinoff. Thanks for having me. I'm Kiara Bowers and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. All right, let's roll up our sleeves and melee ladies. Kiara Bowers will be playing this week after she went to the tribunal and she's been given, it's been wheeled back. She was given a, a suspension, but she now can play. It's a $400 fine. Jenna Bruton will be missing a week and Patrick Dangerfield also three weeks. So we won't see him in the AFLW anytime soon. <laughs> that is the we truth. Will not. Um, we talked about language last week on the podcast and it was really interesting because I did notice with the AFLM being back, there was a lot of discourse about language and its effectiveness and its respectful 
nature or its disrespect in terms of footy. One really happy story that we saw coming out of the Swans this week was that they've actually gone and changed the words of the Sydney Swans theme song to make sure that it's way more inclusive. They've changed the language from our loyal, uh, they've changed it from our loyal sons to our loyal swans, which is just, I mean, it was so easy. Mm. What an easy change. So much easier than um, what the Western Bulldogs had to do from sons of the West to daughters of the West. It was a nice little swap out there. You make such a good point there, Rana. It can be as easy as just changing a few lyrics of a song. So let's have a listen to the swans song where they've changed the lyrics from her loyal sons to our loyal swans. it sets a culture. It really says we're making you welcome. And the Swans are taking leaps and bounds really in in their development of their women's program. And I've noticed it really amping up. I can't wait for them to be in the competition. We will be talking about expansion later on. But one of the things that happened um, last week, we're talking about language. This week, the M was back and we received so many emails from people who were noticing language that was either offensive to them or they thought needed to be tweaked. We were asked a lot of questions. Lucy, you have a couple of them. You've started, it is now like a mailbag segment, but (laughs) what was something that caught your eye? There was an email. So we did, as Emma said, get quite a few emails last week. And this one's not quite along the lines of the M or language, but this is an email from Pete who was listening to our discussion about whether it is appropriate to include weight and some of those other um, physical statistics when we're talking about AFLW. And I want to read a little bit from his email. He said, for a lot of my mates that, like me, are kind of into AFLW, the delicacy with which we approach questions of player fitness, weight management, etc., in the sport is part of why we um, is part of what we look at. And his contention was that if if that's not included in the statistics, then it makes it harder for that cohort to take it seriously. And I thought, you know, it's an interesting conversation. And for me, the issue is that these conversations don't occur in a vacuum. And so this is what I'd say to to you, Pete, is that they occur within the social and political context. And the reality of that context is that bodies, the bodies of girls and women are policed and talked about and rated and ranked. And all of that baggage unfortunately, is invoked even when you're talking about bodies in ways that can be justified. So what's the answer? And and I think it's twofold. I think that we have to keep working to change the broader culture. And of course, that's a long-term prospect. Um, But also, we need to be open to rethinking about how we've done stuff in the past. And if we do decide that we want to have these discussions, then we need to be careful about the words we use. And I think that this can be done, but it's just going to take intention and thoughtfulness. I had an interesting conversation with Taylor Harris about this because, you know, she's also a boxer. And so they announce her weight when, I mean, it's the name of her division that she boxes in. And I said, I've always found that a real blockage as a woman because I never want to tell people how much I weigh. And she said, when you're competing at that level, it is such an important part of the conversation. It's actually what I'm called. Like, I don't want to box anyone who's in a different weight division to me. I need to be, I need that to to own that. And so my thinking on it after last week, when Nicole did um, suggest, do we need these stats, is that when people are playing at the highest level, this is a conversation they're always having. Julia, is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And I think what Pete 
kind of alludes to there is perhaps that, that weight isn't discussed because it's not discussed publicly. It's not put in the record a player's weight. But it's not to say that those don't happen behind closed doors. Players have their weight taken every training session and before and after every game. Uh, they have their skinfold tests all the way through prince, uh, through pre-season. So weight is definitely a discussion within closed doors, uh, within the club, and, and those conversations are definitely happening with the strength and conditioning team and the medical team. I think throwing the doors open then to... to to uh, advertise that information so that it becomes a topic of debate or something that fans can kind of pick over and include in that that real statsy analysis of footy. Um, I think that's a different beast. I think it's a different beast as well when you put the layer of women's football on there because as much as I'd like to say that it was possible to sit in the outer and look through the footy record at people's weights, there was no footy record available <laughs> for the AFLW this round uh, this year, this entire season. There has been no football record for you to buy at the games. So the ability to actually be able to pick over those stats is completely irrelevant at this point unless you're looking at a website or an app. The thing I like about um, women's footy and women's sport in general is that it does shift the conversation when it comes to women's bodies in general. So I kind of like the almost reclaiming of um, talking about women's bodies in a different way because the fact that we do feel so self-conscious about our weight is a problem and that's the problem we want to fix. Julia? Yeah, I think the other thing is that everything is is still is still at the at the public level kind of compared to the men's game and I don't think that having a woman's weight in the little table what does it mean like if a girl is 60 kilos or 70 kilos what does it mean I think that um, over many years of pouring over the the men's record people have a sense of like what a particular weight might suggest and I don't think we have that level of understanding mm. about women's bodies so when you're coaching you're not saying go out there and and hit up this defender she's 80 kilos or like you're not talking about that is that is that not a part of your coaching no definitely not if anything we talk about height we do definitely talk about height um that you want to get your matchups right especially in the forward and the back line it's really hard to spoil over someone that's you know three or four centimeters even three or four centimeters taller than you that that is definitely a conversation but wait no One thing I do want to bring up is that this week there's been a lot of comparisons because the men's and the women's competitions are intersecting. So we've had apples and apples in some ways to be able to compare. One thing that was brought to our attention this week via the NCAA, which is the National Collegiate Athletics Association in the States, is that the men's and women's basketball competitions were on at the same time. You may have seen a viral video going around where the men's weight room was laden with gold. There was <laughs> palatial. palatial. There was weights as far as the eye can see and there was about four dumbbells in a corner for all of the women who were competing at that event. Rana, you were watching this. How did you uh, feel? How did it make you feel inside? <laughs> well, there were a few things actually because the thing that was remarkable about it was that it went viral and everybody was talking about it and suddenly, as we have noticed lately, people are having the conversations that we've been having for a long time and we haven't had to have the conversation, which is the nice part. Um, But the interesting thing about this is that sponsors jumped on board when this video went viral and 
turned they the way the NCAA turned it around and within 24 hours lifted their game and created a gym space for the women just shows how possible it was in the first place. Like there was really no reason for it not to have happened. So that was one glaring thing. The other thing to me um, is that coaches present and past spoke up on social media. Um, Muffet McGraw, which is a great name, by the way. Great sports name. (laughs) Um, She's an ex-coach and she spoke, she wrote on Twitter about her feelings about all of this. And the, the effect of that is that the athletes who are now speaking up feel like they're supported. Imagine if we had that in the AFLW. We don't see it as often head coaches speaking up. I'm Reminded of a comment that I saw on Twitter in response to Julia's plea for goal line technology in the AFLW and somebody wrote, start returning a profit, then ask for stuff. (laughs) So hang on a minute, just to clarify, was Chad on Twitter saying that we shouldn't be allowed to get a correct result in the women's game because it doesn't bring in enough money? Is that how sport works? One could interpret the tweet that way. But it's a it's a broader thing. It's this whole idea that just be grateful for what you've got. Don't ask for anything else. It's all about profit. And it's incredible to me that people can't see the tailwinds that are afforded to boys and men in sport and particularly in sports that are traditionally men's sports. If you think that all of the men who play at elite level in Australian rules football got there without lots of extras, then you are so Mm. mistaken. I'm really interested in this because that comment under um, Julia's beautiful quote um, really got to me because we've all had that moment in the barbecue chat of our lives where we talk about women's sport and then you do hear comments like that. And I struggle in the moment to come up with responses to it. On Twitter, I can think and curate it. But in the moment, I really get kind of hamstrung in my my head kind of explodes. So I wanted to ask you guys, what are some quick, easy things that I can come back with when people do say, oh, when women's footy gets good, you can have all the rest of it? I'd say equality shouldn't cost money. Boom. (laughs) I'd say... Equality is different to equity. Boom. <laughs> I'd say get. <laughs> Rana, did you have any? <laughs> not none as good as that. I had e- equity, not money. I had men have had a long time to get all the things. So, like, you know, give us the things and we'll get there too. Lucy, did you have another one? Yeah, I, I would also say that. There are a lot of people that have contributed financially to men's sport for a very long time and those people would have happily been contributing to women's sport if it was available. And so I'm really, really happy of the money that I've pumped into the elite men's competition for my whole entire life if some of that now gets diverted to the women's programs. I want to play devil's advocate here because Mm. I actually don't think we're that far behind with what happened at the NCAA. And there was a further tale to that story, which was that then uh, journalists went looking for photos of the women playing in the competition and there were no photo banks for the media to be able to promote the, the games because there was no photos taken. There was no photographers at the women's games. There was, of course, one million photos of every game of every man that was playing. 
what I would say is that technology has intersected with feminism at a time that is incredibly important, that we all now have a Martha network to, <laughs> to lean on the handmaid's <laughs> tail and we we can signal to each other and I think that we're using it really well and I think that lots of men are getting skin in the game and the more men that I see tweeting about AFLM, I actually read with pleasure all of the ways that they have to endure all the chads coming for them about the, the little tiny M at the end of the AFL because what I'm seeing is people getting more okay with having the conversation and the more that there are, it's growing exponentially every week, I feel, and I think that we're not far off that moment and I think the players have got a voice but the supporters' voices are even louder and I really think that we're getting there. I think technology has been incredibly important to that moment. So where socials can be nasty and can be a bin fire, they also are being used to harness the power of this and this is where women's sport lives in that space. Yeah, and I think that they provide that outside view into into these very um, internal worlds. You know, it, it took the fact that that video went out there and so that other people actually looked at it and said, that doesn't look right. The fact that those rooms were set up in such a disproportionate way and no one inside thought to change it, but it took that outside view to make that happen. The other thing I just thought, and and it's back to the Sydney Swans changing their lyrics, is that inclusion doesn't have to be hard. A little tweak of a song or just thinking a little bit more makes people feel visible that they're not ignored and you can just kind of breathe into it and, and feel like you belong. Okay, we alluded at the start of this conversation to the chat about expansion of the AFLW. I feel like I need to conscientiously sit out of this conversation because I am so desperate for my team, Hawthorne, to have an AFLW licence. I feel like the Outer Sanctum has been my love letter, (laughs) pleading and begging for six years. I have talked about everyone else's teams, everyone else's expansion, everyone else's development, and I am sitting here biding my time and I am feeling like the goalposts have moved. There is no clear indication on when we're getting, uh, that I'm reading out of the media about when we're going to get an AFLW team. Lucy, I imagine you feel the same as me, but I'm intrigued to know what Miss Julia Kiera thinks. It is an eventuality, is that the word? (laughs) That, Mm. That the 18 teams will happen. But I guess I would like the breaks to be put on about when that happens. I don't think that next season or even the season after is the time for it. I think that what we're seeing now, and this is a hard thing for me to say because I'm such a fan of AFLW and all the players, but I think even now in the system, there are players that are on lists that aren't up to it. I think that the talent across the board isn't there to support formal teams at this moment in time. I think that over the next two to three years, we're going to see a lot of retirements from players who had come into the system having played 100 games of their state leagues. They've had a huge impact. They've kept their teams together, but they need to get on with their lives now. It's a part-time gig and they need to move on. So I think we're going to see a huge amount of experience drain out of the game. And yes, we've talked about um, the pathways that are in place for younger players and how So many of them come in and they've had an uninterrupted pathway and they're really skillful and so on. However, for every Jess Fitzgerald and Maddie Prasparkas who comes in year one and plays every game and has a big impact, 
There are five other new draftees who either don't get picked their first few years, only play a couple of games. They need time in the system. So for me, I think it's just, it's the same as it was in the first year, but they need time. Um, And COVID didn't help. The fact that there was no, at Victorian level, there was no state league last year. So there was a whole year missed in development. And we're going to go from eight to 10 teams in Victoria. That's 60 more girls. I don't think there are 60 girls there. And when you talk about pain, there's going to be pain. Who is tolerating that pain? It's girls that are getting belted every week and feel like they are um, in over their heads. So for me, it's it's an unacceptable risk. So it pains me to ask you this, Julie, because I think I know what your question will be. But do we need to look at the clubs that potentially are coming in on a state base because one could argue that there's an issue in South Australia having one. Yeah. And that was, look, I didn't actually arrive at that point, but you're right. The only team that I could see coming in would be Port because I think that, um, yeah, that Adelaide have, uh, you know, have a monopoly on their state. It is a footy state. I think that they could probably tolerate another team sooner. Um, we know that there are ex-Adelaide players who kind of, um, you know, weren't getting enough opportunity or were delisted and they've gone to other states. So I think that they're – because there just wasn't enough room on the Adelaide list. So I think that there's there's a chance there for Port. <laughs> On Thursday night when the AFLM kicked off, there were multiple premiership flags to unfurl. Richmond invited superfan author, writer, reporter and AFL Fan Association member Cheryl Critchley to do the honours. There were some beautiful sounds from the ground and Peggy O'Neill said it best. I'll be joined in raising the flags by long-time Richmond member and extraordinary fan Cheryl Critchley. So now let's raise the 2019 and 2020 Richmond flags and celebrate We were thrilled to see Cheryl recognised for her voice and her service to fans and her passion, of course, for the yellow and black. Cheryl, welcome to the Outer Sanctum. I got really emotional watching the flags being carried and passed by fans and then you getting a chance to raise one of the flags. How did it feel to you? Oh, it was like absolutely amazing, just incredible and surreal and all those things because you don't expect to be out there as part of it, do you? Like it was just incredible that they recognise the diehards who give so much to the game. That's what was great about it. You really do give us so much, Cheryl. With the reflection of no fans at the footy last year, what does it mean to you now? Well, most of us hadn't been to a men's game, a live men's game for like 18 months. So it was, you know, such an ingrained part of our lives to have that taken away was, you know, terrible. But to have it back, it was was like sort of, you know, opening all your Christmas presents on (laughs) Christmas morning, wasn't it? (laughs) It really was. Such a great vibe. And yeah, it was just brilliant. It was a historical moment for the Tigers. Um, the, the fans, of course, were completely short-shrifted by COVID and you are tapped into the zeitgeist of the fans, what they want and what they need and, and where their needs aren't met. What can we hope for for fan engagement in the new way of the world? Well, I think fans have been amazing in accepting the changes and the fact that they couldn't attend or lots of them couldn't attend games last year and things have changed this year in in terms of COVID safety and having to do your tickets differently and all that sort of thing. But, you know, what what we'd like to see is is them sort of rewarded in some way this year and we have already been rewarded in being able to go to games, but um, things like maybe they could give us, you know, give members more tickets to the grand final and that sort of stuff would be nice. (laughs) 
Nice. But generally speaking, yeah, at the moment, our reward is just being able to attend the games. That's, that's probably what people want at the moment. Hey, Cheryl, yesterday a Good for Footy promo was launched by the AFL and a sponsor with a suggestion box for fans to feedback what would make footy better. Uh, initiatives like this listen to, do you think? Well, you'd hope so because it was funny when I was out on the ground the other night and I was introduced to Gillan McLaughlin and one of the first things I said to him was, when are we getting our banners back? <laughs> um, we'd like to see that sort of stuff return once it's safe because, you know, the banners and that, that whole ritual of, of the teams running out the song, the banners, um, you know, the drums at the Richmond home games, those sorts of things, we're, we're, we're missing them terribly. So it'd be great to have that sort of stuff back if we can. Besides the banners, what else? would make footy better for you, Cheryl? Well, we just love it as it is. We just want to be there and be able to see our teams play. So, you know, when people are talking about things like having a night grand final and all the entertainment and, and that sort of thing, the message we get from, you know, the diehards is that the game's the entertainment. So we don't really necessarily want heaps of bells and whistles. We just want to be able to go to the footy as we always have. You've been such a vocal supporter of fans and, and a voice from the outer and you're on the AFL Fan Association. What's your advice? advice to people when they want to have their say? What's the very best way for them to interact with their club or with the AFL to make sure that their needs are met and their voices are heard? Well, it sort of depends on your issue, doesn't it? Like if you've got a ticketing issue, you might want to go via the ticketing agencies or, or, or go to the membership people at your club because they're all very helpful and I deal with them, the membership team at our club if I have something that I need to fix. And, and normally clubs are very responsive with individual things like that. And, but with, with the bigger picture issues, like say, for example, getting the banners back or, or, you know, wanting some sort of change at the game level, we, we try to use social media and media because that's how you can get your message out to a wide audience and, and, and get it to the people who matter. So hopefully they will make that change. And we sort of had that with a few years ago. We did a petition to increase the number of competing club members who get tickets to the grand final. And we did a lot of media on that. And, and um, they ended up increasing it from 15,000 per team to 17,000 per team. So just by getting out there and getting your message across, um, you can, you know, affect some change. Hey, Cheryl, just pretend no one else is listening. It's just you and me. Tigers, three-peat, can they do it? <laughs> oh, can they? Well, judging by, you know, Thursday night, they were pretty good. Carlton took it right up to them, but but I think it was great that we came away with a solid win and, and Dusty's just looking amazing. So they're looking pretty good for round one, so fingers crossed. <laughs> well, Cheryl, they take on my Hawks this weekend, uh, so it's game on. And thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum and congratulations. No worries and go Tigers. This week we went west with some purple people for thank you for being a friend. Hi, my name is Cara Antonio, or also known as Juddy, uh, from the Fremantle Dockers, and I'm here with one of my good friends, Lisa Webb. Welcome. Thanks, Juddy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Lisa, Lisa Webb, uh, you've made an impact on the football club, I and mean, you've stuck around. You've obviously had little Leo. I have hung around because I do like a few other people around here. I like the whole club, to be honest. Um, but going forward... I am opposition analyst. All right, Webs, describe me as a person. 
Uh, hard-working, a fantastic leader, the one and only leader of our club so far in the women's space. Um, extremely passionate about her Frio uh, team, especially the women's team, and would actually give you her last dollar, I reckon. She's one of those people that, although we like to give her a lot of banter, she's one that would do anything for her teammates and her friends and family. So something that you should be very proud of, Jug, because you're a remarkable person. Oh, thanks, Webb. All right, all right, I'm done with that. Let's push on. <laughs> all right, what have you got for me then? Throw one back at me. All right, Juddy. Give that nickname to yourself. No, so no I curious. didn't actually. I didn't. <laughs> what was your first impression of me? All I'd heard about you was uh, you had a running background, so you were quite fast. Away so, from people. Yeah. <laughs> first impressions, down to earth, bubbly, yeah, lights up the room when you come in and we were obviously very fortunate to, to be able to get someone of your calibre and your age bracket uh, down at the club. Is that vintage? You know? <laughs> what All have right. you got for me? Throw it. Now, honestly, if you don't answer this one, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Okay. Sometimes you look after my son slash sons now. Yep. Has anything unusual ever happened when I wasn't there? <laughs> well, um, we obviously have had Ollie, yeah your eldest son, uh, over for a few sleepovers. And look, I'm not going to lie, uh, we have fed him countless amounts of ice cream and chocolate, mm-hmm. um, but no doubt he would have come home and, and told you that. I I'm going to have to stop you there. That. Why don't you tell the real story? What about that time that I got a phone call when I was at parent-teacher interviews oh. for you guys to tell me that my son needed to go to hospital because he'd split his head from falling off one of the Pilates machines? Yeah, so do you want to know the real story behind that? Yeah, you should. And I will definitely throw... No, it wasn't me. (laughs) I will throw Ebony under the bus here. I say, Epps, can you just look after Ollie for two seconds? I've just got to go run and do something. We're at the club. You know that's like two kids looking after each other. I know. I know. I've regretted it ever since. (laughs) Um, And I turn around for a split second and then bang, tears start to appear. And Ebony's like... What about Ollie? (laughs) (laughs) Ebony, I've never seen Ebony go so white in her face ever before. And she's, Juddy, 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 oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. There's blood coming from his ear where his cochlear is. And I was just like, luckily, Mark, your husband, who you said was a player at the club at at one stage to get a free car park. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, Was actually at the club. So in a team meeting um, with Ross Lyon at at the forefront and he had to skim on out the meeting at the club. And He was happy about that. Luckily, Ellie's fine. um, But look, I wouldn't have left, I won't leave Ollie in Ebony's care ever again by herself. So I apologise. That's the real story. That is the true story. And that's the one we know about. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Um, I've got one for you. If I ever had something stuck in my teeth, would you tell me? Yeah. Yeah. You had, you had, it, actually, you had it like two days ago. <laughs> Do you remember? Will you tell me? Well, she's a frequent eater, and I would too if I trained as much as her. Very strong and ripped, this girl, so she can eat what she likes. Lucky for some. Post-career, it all changes, by the way. I'm just yeah. giving you a bit of a heads up. <laughs> just telling you from I a friend. I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but yeah, I did. I told you two days ago. No, you, you remember? Yeah, you are. You are. There's quite a bit there. good with that stuff. <laughs> Some people get embarrassed. When, you just get straight to it. When, you're, you're, when you're on Media Street as much as you are. Oh, please. Honestly. <laughs> probably best I do. All right. Got one for you. Yep. And I already know the answer to this. Mm. I'm a bit nervous about it. Describe my cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you've cooked for me a few times in the past. Is Uber Eats classified <laughs> as cooking? You're a stress head in the kitchen, I would, I would say. You're a bit of a perfectionist at all things that you do. And I reckon Mark, your husband, rubs off on you in that way. <laughs> in all honesty, when I'm cooking in the kitchen, I've got Leo who needs a nappy change. Yeah. Ollie's all over the shop. Mark's probably not home because he's probably still at work. 
and you two are sitting at my kitchen bench, oh, absolutely staring me down. Honestly, I can imagine it's like a centre square bounce and you're in a grand final and you're coming up against opposition. These two are staring me down like no other. We're hungry girls. Hungry, hungry going girls. girls. There's hungry girls and then there's that. You guys are on another level and I get nervous and I've burned a few things. Yeah, yeah, but it's all right. Um, the charcoal makes, you know, <laughs> it all worthwhile. No, you're no, you're good in the kitchen. You're good in the kitchen. You've just got a lot of things to manage, don't you, yeah. at home? The four kids. Mm. Um, all right, I've got one for you. What's your favourite memory um, playing alongside me? Probably the day, and it is a little bit more serious. So oh. that day, that week um, that Ollie was in hospital mm-hmm. and he wasn't so well, mm. and I just had a little sneaky look over at Juddie pre-game, and she had tape on her hand with Ollie's name on it, mm. and that's when I knew I was in the right place because that was very inspiring out there. And I know you do it a lot with the players now mm. that are injured. So I reckon my favourite moment with you was a game up in Darwin and we took on the Crows and poor Chelsea Randall, one of my good mates that I used to play at Swan Districts with uh, and used to be a housemate of, got reported for her hair hitting you in the face, I believe. And we've got the replay. We watch it. I probably watch it at least once a year just to give me a bit of a giggle. But You'd acted like you'd been hit by a truck, and I pretty much told you to get off the ground. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Is that how it was? I was stumbling off the ground. Almost, and she, and she almost got a reprimand, concussed. did she not? Yeah, and the truth of the matter is it was my ponytail, yeah, and it was very wet up there, so it must have been very heavy. But something, in all honesty, hit me, and it was not Chelsea Randall. I, I made sure that that was clear. But my nose was bleeding. Or oh, when I say bleeding, God. I think there was a drip or two. Got called off blood rule. What dramatic. was I doing in a contest with Chelsea Rounder, to be absolutely Yeah, exactly. Honest? You're an outside player. Just stick to the outside and let the inside players do it. <laughs> Look. Um, all right, you got anything else or are we wrapping this up? We're wrapping it up. It's you. Love That's your best what, friend. <laughs> Thanks, Lise. <laughs> See ya. Oh, Juddy and Lisa, thank you for regaling us with your stories from the Golden Girls. <laughs> thank you for being a friend. All right, ladies, it's time for final beeswax before we get out of here. Julia, you had an update from this week. Uh, yes, so the AFLPA have announced uh, four new board members. So Tom Jonas, Darcy Moore, Neville Jetta, and Annalise Lister will be joining the board. Ooh. Annalise A. Lister is the fourth female member uh, to join the board and very excited to see that appointment. That's fantastic. I just want to give a shout out to people who have been affected by the floods and the rain this week. There'll be people listening who are currently stuck in their houses waiting for you know, water to drain away. And I just wanted to say I'm so sorry for everyone. We've been thinking of you all um, and hope that you're all doing okay out there. Lucy, did you have any final business? Just I hate injuries and we're sending our best wishes to Matt Rao. The competition's better with you in it. It's so rough when you see people coming back from injury and then going back out the other, going out through the indoor, in through the outdoor, outdoor, in. To, 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 quote, to quote Prince, who is a really great, AFL commentator. <laughs> um, it's time for us to get out of here. We're going to have finals upon us, but this time next week we will know what the games look like. Keep your eye on the app for, you know, first place third and last place second and second place, you know, put your hat on the lower peg and then spin around three times and you'll know who's playing who. Keep your eye on the app for all of those details and on our socials. Thank you so much for being with us today. There's only one thing left to say and that is... 
Kalifuri! deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.